the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Yes, he is. And he's here to say good afternoon to you. Welcome. Five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. on your basic Tuesday, the 23rd of March. Hope you're having a great week so far. You've had a good day and settling into your your evening ride home or uh, walk to the kitchen, <laughs> whatever whatever it might be for you. We're delighted you've privileged us to spend some time together as um, we're here each Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m. addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Pretty full program for you tonight. I want to start out with a favor, if I might. Can I ask you to do me a huge favor? And uh, that is not to pretend like COVID is yesterday's news. We're beginning to see some alarming spikes in Europe And so far, since a year ago, March, and we're just at a year since the first so-called lockdowns, that usually Europe has proven to be an indicator of what to expect here in the United States. And I say this as I've been watching the coverage of spring break in places like Florida and Texas, knowing that both of their governors opened those states up pretty rapidly, and that apparently an alarming percentage of the respective residents of those states feel as if suddenly masks are no longer necessary. We barely have a skosh over, I think it's 10% of the population that has been inoculated, and some people even of that group are waiting for their second shot. And meanwhile, we are seeing frightening spikes of COVID. Italy is shut down again. France is shut down again. Germany is in the process of shutting down. And just today, the director of the CDC is warning that the United States could see an avoidable surge of COVID-19 as states loosen restrictions and people think, oh yeah, we're back to life as usual. We have lost a significant number of individuals. In fact, as of today, the death toll from COVID in the United States stands at 556,000, almost 557,000 American lives have been lost. In the last 24 hours, 56,000 new cases of COVID have been reported, and that figure is only beaten by Brazil, where there they pretend as if none of this means anything. So please do yourself, and most importantly, those around you, your neighbors, your family, your friends, the people that you care about, 
to do the smart thing and uh, be cautious. Don't be in crowds without wearing a face mask. Avoid crowds when you can. This matters because while a growing number of states, as I mentioned, have moved to reopen, there's an uptick in the spread of a new variant of the virus. We've seen um, states like California, Nevada, Arizona, all reporting increases in cases and increases in the variant. And we're still not certain if the vaccine will handle these variants. So some patience is in order. I know that it's in America's DNA to be rebellious, to not be told by anyone, especially government, what to do. So I ask you to do it because you care about your relatives, you care about your neighbors, you care about the people that you go to church with. Do the right thing. Keep the mask on. Get vaccinated. Don't buy into the anti-vax propaganda, which is largely, well, certainly not science-based, that's for sure. Okay, so there's my, there's my first word of warning, if I might. My second one, as we introduce our guest and first topic tonight, um, would be to suggest that if you have young children with an earshot of our conversation, you might want to busy them in another room. We're going to have um, a difficult conversation on two topics that suddenly, a little over a week ago, converged. Well, we have been paying attention over the tragedy that unfolded in Boulder in just the last 24 hours. Uh, let us be mindful that this is the second such event in about a week's time, where in the case of the Atlanta killings, a gunman there who's now been charged with killing eight people at three Atlanta-area massage parlors, an attack that has left terror running through the Asian-American community, as we've already seen an increase in targeted violence against Asians in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. And I, and I get the fact that it comes, originated from China, and therefore the connection. But let's be smart and recognize that to non-smart people, making the connection gives people an excuse to behave in deplorable ways toward people that they don't like or don't understand. Even a week after these shootings, investigators are continuing to try and unravel what ha may have compelled 21-year-old Robert Aaron Long to commit one of the worst mass killings in the United States in almost two years, as I say, eclipsed only by the tragic event that unfolded in Boulder just 24 hours ago. The Atlanta shooter, shortly after his arrest, told police, and this is where it gets down into the heart of our discussion today, the Atlanta shooter, shortly after his arrest, told police that the attack was not racially motivated. Now, as one spokesman for the Atlanta PD said, well, that's not up to him to decide. But we do need to hear what the shooter has to say. Because behind all of this is a very important lesson. And I'm reminded, 
as we set the stage for our discussion tonight about an interview that took place many years ago between Jim Dobson of Family Talk and previous to that Focus on the Family, conversation that Jim Dobson had with mass serial killer Ted Bundy. And Ted Bundy, 24 hours before he was to be executed for his crimes, spoke with Jim Dobson, talked about what drove him, what motivated him, where was the genesis behind his violent actions towards women on a killing spree that lasted more than 20 years. And he shared the eye-opening response that he believed as he analyzed his own actions, his own thoughts, his own behaviors, that he believed one of the biggest influencers that led him to commit this violence was the uncontrolled consumption of pornography. There's often the phrase, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. And while certainly we can't discount a potential racial motivation in the case of the Atlanta gunman, when he says he has a sex addiction problem, that he has been treated for pornography, I think it's our obligation to not only believe him, but to extract from what we learn important lessons that we can apply to our own lives. At least we become victims to the same temptation. Joining me now is the founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry, Clay Allen. Clay is with us every now and then on the program. And Clay, it, it saddened my heart to have to uh, invite you into the program today to focus on this topic. But I suppose there's a bit of irony here in so much as you've often warned us that, that unmitigated, uncontrolled consumption of pornography ultimately leads to death and destruction. Uh, normally you put that in the context of, of spiritual death or spiritual destruction. In this case, in the case of the Atlanta shooter, we've sadly seen a case of real death and real uh, destruction. What was your reaction when the early news reports began to emerge that the motivation behind this young man going to three Atlanta area massage parlors and opening fire to eventually take the lives of eight innocent people was attributed directly by the gunman himself to an uncontrollable consumption of pornography. What, what was your reaction? Yeah, Craig, it's a great question. It's good to be with you. Uh, my first reaction was he was stuck in the cycle of sexual brokenness and nobody helped him out of it. And uh, while he was in a uh, recovery facility, a uh, uh, a, a facility where he had a roommate, for example, and uh, was observed to leave uh, frequently uh, the facility and frequently relapse by having uh, visited uh, massage parlors that explicitly had sex, according to his own words. It became very, very clear that what he was doing wasn't working. And so my heart grieved uh, not only for him but uh, for all of the victims 
and certainly his family and his church, uh, because it really applies to every single one of us, that uh, this type of behavior, uh, while it's very, very uncommon for somebody who's addicted to pornography to act out violently, I would say that probably 1% or less actually act out violently like this, but it does occur. But the destruction, nevertheless, is all also real when somebody who is involved in pornography and doesn't uh, get help, uh, there is an escalation that takes place. It's very difficult to understand until you've been into it or perhaps you've been affected by it because what happens is once that starts, and by the way, this can start in a young person, very, very young. We're seeing this now seven, eight, nine years old where they're getting introduced to pornography and something starts to happen. You know it takes about a half of one second for pornography to hit your brain's reward center. And then your brain starts sending out uh, all kinds of endorphins. And what happens is your brain starts to create uh, destructive neural pathways that connect that pornography. And if you add in the element of masturbation, it accelerates the whole process to the point where your brain rapidly starts to create neural pathways that are destructive. And what eventually happens is you get desensitized to whatever that initial arousal was. Now, this could be abuse, it could be pornography, but what happens is you get desensitized to it. The next thing that happens to an individual is they look for something that will recreate the original arousal, and we call this escalation. It could be in frequency or intensity, where they actually go look for something that's, uh, that's more intense. Now, what's really incredible about pornography, it's different than any other craving known to man, is that once your brain is on porn, uh, with any other craving, more satiates that, that craving. Uh, gambling, drugs, anger, alcohol, whatever it is, more satiates. But with porn, what's really interesting, and we've proven this time and again scientifically, is that your brain not only demands more, it demands different. That's where this gets really serious because then you start to uh, escalate in this process of the, the cycle of brokenness and you start to delve into crossover lines you, you never thought you would ever cross. You start getting involved in other kinds of pornography. Then it starts to get boring again, and that's the last cycle that you enter into, which is what we call actualization, where you actually have to do something with another individual to create that uh, that original arousal, that, that endorphin rush, if you wish. All the meanwhile, your brain has created all these massive neural pathways going to your reward center based on this, uh, this, this fantasy life, this, this uh, sexual orientation world that you've created that is completely uh, disingenuous and fake. But yet your body, your brain demands more and more and more of it. That's why you see men, as well as women and young people, uh, going through the cycle of sexual brokenness in lightning speed uh, this day and age because of the Internet, and so much is available on the Internet right now uh, that's destructive in nature. So what, what, when, I, when I heard about the story, uh, the first reaction I had was, who, uh, you know, he's stuck in that cycle and he didn't get help. And I started asking all kinds of questions like, what is our church family doing about this? What is any church doing about this? Because in every church... When you look at a sex addict, you'll never recognize a sex addict because he looks like the person who's sitting right next to you in the pew. <laughs> I mean, literally, 
a, a, a guy that just looks normal, a woman who's normal. These are our friends. These are our family friends. These are our congregants, uh, pastors. There's nobody who's not touched by this. So the question that I uh, had in my heart was Jesus, you know, uh, through the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Clay, what's, what's, uh, what's the church doing about this? And the answer, obviously, is there are churches who are taking proactive stances and doing profound work to help people like this. Unfortunately, there's so many other churches that are not. They're, they're scared to deal with this issue, thinking that something uh, will go wrong or something they don't want to open Pandora's box. But what they don't realize is Pandora's box has already been opened. So my heart yearns to help men and women who are struggling in this area, women who have been betrayed, uh, who discover their husbands into something sexually and that they shouldn't be misusing sex in some way. They need healing, too. Young people need healing. We help all kinds of people in these areas, in these arenas. And, and you know what's really incredible about this, uh, Craig, too? Uh, just as uh, we're talking about the brain, you know that the brain is so incredible that this whole process I just described can be reversed. And there's actually a study, uh, a whole scientific field, uh, that has now been created, a neuroplasticity. And, and it's a study of how the brain is not hardwired but softwired and actually with the right stimuli can actually heal itself and rather quickly. And, we, you know, this is obviously in the Bible in Romans uh, where it says that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we've been doing that for over 25 years to help people. What's really incredible about it is how fast it can take place where you start giving the right stimulus to a brain, and it can literally rewire your brain with new constructive neural pathways that hits that reward center, and you start getting the endorphin rush for doing right and for doing good things. And so th this is what uh, my heart broke when I heard about this, because it was obviously somebody who never experienced this, perhaps never knew about this, uh, because if, if that individual had, then, then he would have gotten help, and he would have responded to it. And uh, and of course, to your to your point regarding the way he is viewed by others, uh, the 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 suspect in this case um, has yeah. been described as someone who attended high school in Canton, Georgia, graduating in 2017, played the drums, attended meetings of the local Christian student club. Outside of school, he apparently was active in playing video games, traveling with his church youth group, um, and, and by all accounts seemed to be just a, a normal teenager. And yet clearly yeah. there were issues at foot, things going on below the surface that did not signal to friends, family, fellow people in church that there was something brewing, that there was a problem here that was beginning to grow and fester. And, and, and maybe that's the important first lesson to begin our conversation with tonight, and that is, you know, you can come across as a good Christian from a good family, attending a good church, say all the right words, do all the right things, and yet there's a demon that is buffeting you and that will slowly and much in the fashion the way any type of addiction that might be related to uh, substance abuse, for example, um, gets a deeper hold, requires more and more in order to achieve the same level of satisfaction or highness so to speak and after a time it becomes so deeply rooted in your life that you feel as if you've lost control and clearly in this case this young man did lose control just 24 hours before 
the killing spree that claimed the lives of eight individuals across Atlanta. It was reported that his family had kicked him out of the family home for, quote, spending untold hours online consuming pornography. This is more serious than most people believe or recognize. And quite shockingly, even as we talk about sexual addiction, and we'll get to this when we come back after the break, modern-day psychology does not recognize the notion of sexual addiction, although the evidence of it is all around us. We'll talk more with Clay Allen from Avenue as we discuss what can be, sadly, the final result when a level of pornographic consumption and sexual addiction becomes so consuming that it causes you to lose all control. We'll take a time out, come back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're visiting today with Clay Allen of Avenue Sexual or uh, Sexual Restoration Ministry. Information, by the way, available on the web at avenue.works. That's avenue.works. You think of .com, .net, .this, .that. Avenue.works. We've been discussing the tragic shootings that occurred a little over a week ago in Atlanta and the, the connection between these massage parlors and the alleged gunman in this case, Robert Aaron Long, who has already confessed to police that uh, his motivation behind his actions was connected to a sexual addiction that apparently he's struggled with, even predating his his time in in high school apparently, and even at one point had sought a professional help. He spent time in not one but two different. Um, recovery programs, Maverick Recovery, which is a 12-step transitional housing facility in Roswell, Georgia, and then another that specifically on their website states that they specialize in rehabilitation for those dealing with sexual addictions. A roommate of Long in one of these two facilities indicated that the young man had long been plagued by a conflict between his belief and his obsession with sex and that his fixation on such matters and frequent visits to spas had caused the collapse of a relationship recently with his girlfriend. What I find interesting about all of this in the reporting, Clay, is the fact that apparently, and I I was quite frankly stunned to read this, but that the very notion of sexual addiction is not apparently an established psychiatric diagnosis and that according to some clinical psychologists there's no evidence-based treatment for sex addiction. How can that possibly be, particularly given the challenges that our modern-day American culture or culture around the world for that matter faces in dealing with such matters? That's a great question, Craig. And, you know, the psychology industry is still trying to catch up with the Bible. And I don't know if they'll ever get there or not, but it's unfortunate. You know, we've been doing this, uh, helping men and women who are struggling with sexual uh, uh, brokenness for over 26 years. We've seen it firsthand. 
how pervasive it is. We're dealing with in excess of 75% of men who attend church dealing with some form of uh, pornography use. Uh, we see young people much, much higher in percentages. We see women now at about 35%. We see pastors somewhere in the 50 to 60% of the porn use consumption. This, this is profound, and what it does to one's heart, mind, spirit, soul, life, destiny is absolutely destructive. And it is very real, it is very tangible, and it leaves in its wake uh, uh, marriages that are destroyed, families that are destroyed. It is absolutely real. And I want to say at the same time, healing is very real, and restoration is very real, and transformation. So while all of it has the bad side, the good side is you can come out of the tractor beam of uh, sexual brokenness, whether you're a man, a woman, or somebody who's been betrayed. There is help. It's tangible. It is real. It's for you. It's not for the lucky few. Uh, I'm living proof of it. My wife, uh, we, you know, we've helped thousands of people. We, we are nobody special in the sense that we simply went to God and we asked for help. And we had been blessed with people who came around us who loved us enough to help us. And I can tell you firsthand that a transformed life is real. A restored life is real. Uh, God has this way of taking a broken uh, thing uh, and making it more and better than the original condition, like a broken bone becomes stronger. And, and that just doesn't apply to an individual. It applies to his family, his marriage, and I don't want to even say it applies to his church. Because when you get fired up men and women on this topic who have gone through the, the flames of hell and come out the other side, healed and restored by God, you get people who are absolutely bold, courageous, wanting to love people through this process, because what's on the other side is absolutely uh, glorious. And, and so, yes, it's unfortunate that uh, uh, many psychologists don't acknowledge this, but then they don't acknowledge a lot of things that are in the Bible either. So it's not surprising in that respect that it's likely, uh, you know, the brain rewiring itself. Uh, they, they don't believe that that was true for many, many many decades, and now it's only been maybe 15, 20 years since scientists have actually discovered this. And so we saw this 26 years ago, and we started helping people with this by renewing their minds with Scripture and other things the Bible talks about. And it not only works, it works very, very rapidly. So it doesn't surprise You know, what's, what's I guess, uh, sort of uh, disheartening about this notion of it not being recognized by psychology is that you can talk to so many out there, families whose lives and marriages have been destroyed because of sexual behavior, sexual addiction, addiction to pornography. Uh, it, you know, it, it runs the gambit between destruction of individual lives to the destruction of marriages, even churches that have dealt with issues related to this. As we know, for example, in, in the, the, the long and continuing list of challenges faced by the Roman Catholic Church. And I, I have to wonder if part of this is sort of a, a, a level of disconnect. It's almost as if to some degrees the church is in denial, as much as, for example, there's a, a, a tremendous sense of shame that surrounds things like abortion, for example, that leads many pastors to believe that they can't talk about the topic from the pulpit because they might offend somebody seated in the pews. Given the number of abortions that have occurred in America since 1973, the likelihood of having a fair number of individuals in that church whose lives have been touched by abortion, probably a pretty strong one. I have to wonder if this is the same thing, that there is such a sense of, of guilt and shame 
surrounding the subject matter of somebody who has uncontrollable urges of consuming pornography, as in this case here, where Long is, is even confessed to uh, roommates when he was involved in the so-called Maverick program uh, between August of 2019 and January of last year, that he was, quote, fixated and that he made frequent visits to spas, which he believed not only caused the collapse of the relationship with his girlfriend, but one roommate went on, and I'm quoting here, quote, Long hated the pornography industry. He was pretty passionate about what a bad influence it was on him. He felt exploited by it, taken advantage of by it, close quote. And, of course, as you and I have spoken in relationship to the way the porn industry stepped in to, quote-unquote, fill the vacuum or take advantage of um, the the launch of the, the quarantines for COVID-19, just about a year ago, this is an industry that does indeed take advantage of people and uh, exploit people. They do it, of course, for financial gain. But you you look at this reporting uh, on on what has transpired in this young man's life, and you have to wonder where where is the failure here? If he was seeking help, yeah. and and clearly he didn't find any answers, does some of this? find its genesis or its roots, Clay, back in the idea that, that this subject matter overall is such an awkward one for the church. And so often we, we shy away from dealing with this subject matter from the pulpit, that we, we foster an environment where uh, people struggle with this and feel as if there's no place to turn, there's no hope available to them. Boy, you, uh, you're a genius, Craig. Uh, you've, you've hit on so many things in what you just said. Uh, it's uh, absolutely profound what you just said. Uh, let me just take two, uh, uh, two parts of what you just said. Shame uh, is exactly where the devil wants every Christian to live because they know, the devil knows that if a Christian lives in shame, uh, that person will not have any power or effect on behalf of God's kingdom. And the way you get there, that is how you live in shame, is you're quiet, you're silent about whatever the topic is, and then silence leads to harboring secrets. And this topic we're talking about right now is the biggest secret uh, that's in the church right now. It is so pervasive, it is so underground, it is so uh, shame-based that what the secrets then lead to is living in shame. And the reason the devil wants every Christian to live there is because they become inauthentic. They start living a compartmentalized life. They have no uh, authenticity, and then they become ineffective for God's kingdom because they think that if somebody really knew about what was going on in their life, whether they've been betrayed or they're the person using porn, that they would be rejected, reviled, wouldn't want to deal with them, and so therefore they stay in the shadows and they don't get help, and therefore they don't take risks for Jesus. And every single Christian is designed to take risks for Jesus, hearing the Holy Spirit, confirming the Holy Spirit, and then doing what the Holy Spirit says. That's the number one problem with our church right now. Not enough people are doing what I just said. And as a result, they become weakened, our church become uh, weakened, and our church no longer leads our country as it once did. You solve the porn problem, consumption, and heal people, and that gets reversed real quick. So that's, that's one very, very profound comment that you just made. The other thing is uh, this individual, uh, this fellow Long, who uh, did the shooting, and you said that he hated the porn industry. I actually believe that. Uh, when you look at the, uh, the behavior of this individual, and uh, he obviously didn't get the right help, and that's another whole topic in itself, is if something is not working for you, uh, you need to either apply yourself or seek out better help 
And we've seen many, many people come to us after having many tried many programs that have not worked for them. And all of a sudden, things start working really well for them because we're applying biblical principles that have been proven for thousands of years to work. And so uh, while we've done this 26 years, God's been around with his word for much, much longer than that, obviously, 2,000-plus years, right, or even more. So, so I actually believe this individual did hate the porn industry. And the reason I believe this motive of his is actually spot on is because his uh, addiction to pornography and to sex, just like you brought up with Ted Bundy, has absolutely nothing to do with sex. I know that sounds really strange, but what this has to do with is control uh, and, and power. It's, uh, at least the the idea of control and power, and uh, because all kinds of um, uh, uh, predisposed sex addiction uh, motives can be centered around the failed attempt to exert power and control over others. Now, whether that's real or physical, that is, or imagined, it's the case. And so uh, what happens is the addict then experiences in his mind an artificial but yet euphoric sense that that power and control of others is what is going to satiate him, what's going to satisfy him, fulfill him. And for a period of time, it does. And then he misuses this uh, to the degree where the brain then demands not just more, as I mentioned, but different. That's where it gets really serious because he's then using sex as a vehicle to, to that artificial power and control of other people that's absent in their life uh, most frequently, and they start, that individual then starts to orientate towards this, uh, this fantasy life, this, this artificial world. And by the way, there's no spouse who can possibly compete with that fantasy life or that fantasy world that he's created. It's just impossible. And so that is the sense of control and power that he was trying to exert by uh, apparently eliminating uh, these people uh, to, to get rid of the temptation. Bundy did the same exact thing uh, by trying to control young ladies. And so when you see this take place, it actually makes a lot of sense. And the way you treat it is to help that person realize that if they surrender to God, then things start to come into place very, very quickly in their life as they start to apply biblical principles to, to, in, into and for their lives. And so I actually believe that this guy uh, was telling the truth when he confessed to the, to the police as to why he did it. You know, it's fascinating about what you're saying is it, 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 it occurs to me, Clay, that then the, the, the shortcoming perhaps in why the help that he sought was apparently unsuccessful is maybe, maybe a bit misguided. And by that I mean, you know, if you look at the individual who struggles with, say, a, a, an addictive habit related to substance abuse, say the alcoholic, and you look at it and say, well, there are certain physiological things going on here. There becomes a dependency. The body becomes dependent upon the alcohol. If they don't have the alcohol, they get the DTs. They can't function, et cetera, et cetera. A and yet to simply try to reduce it down into that single behavior that somehow if you break that behavior, the ties of the addiction are completely broken too is very short-sighted because we have to ask ourselves the deeper question and I wonder if it's true in this case as well it's not that you're simply addicted to alcohol and the chemical reaction within the body and the brain but what was driving you what what's what was that serving as a substitute for um, or, or what sense of, of temporary 
uh, false satisfaction came with the consumption of the alcohol. Now we might argue that well, that there are there are emotional shortcomings um, undoubtedly that that play into that. And I would wonder in a case like this, it it sounds like from what you're saying is it's not just simply the sexual behavior itself, and that somehow if you cut that off, that you can um, you, you can break free from this. As we've heard in the case of Long, where allegedly he he didn't subscribe to a broadband internet. He had a simple flip phone. He tried to limit the ways in which he could consume the pornography in the false hope that that would somehow resolve his addiction. But I have to wonder if what really is going on here is is, is yeah. misplaced in the sense that there's also validation that's coming from the behavior, the power, the control that you talked about earlier, maybe the substitution for a relationship. If he's had a difficult time bonding and forming healthy relationships with other human beings, that this behavior, the, the consumption of the pornography or the, the, um, the patronizing of massage parlors suddenly becomes a substitute for the real thing. Is that true? It's absolutely true, and uh, I would even go a couple of steps beyond that uh, because what he's uh, done in his life or anybody's life that's using pornography is they live, literally become the writer, producer, director, star, and audience of their own self-created uh, fantasy sex show. And it's whether they physically act out or if it's just even uh, mental, uh, that power and control is what they're seeking. And as they exert it, and they misuse God's gift of sex in the process, they start to experience a mental and sexual arousal because the addict has become completely desensitized over a period of time, and it's very rapid how this happens, and the brain then starts to demand more and different, and then uh, the brain literally starts to take over, and, and it's almost like you don't have control, but you do. And, and this is, going back to your earlier point about shame, this, this is one of the greatest things a pastor can talk about in a church, just going back to your point, because it's a great point. If he could simply say, you know, Satan is trying to get you uh, to shake the hand of sexual compromise uh, by giving him your sex, and as you give him your sex by getting involved in pornography and other types of behavior like that by misusing sex, you literally give him virtually your entire life and your future destiny, both here on earth as well as uh, eternally. And if a pastor helps a person understand the battle, that we have a villain, and that God designed that individual to become heroic by overcoming it with a good plan and a strategy, and showing how to do that uh, through the Avenue program, or there there are other people who do the same thing, to, to help people overcome this and to break through the shame. You're not the only one. Uh, there are many, many people who have faced this, as well as being betrayed, and there is a way through this. The beautiful thing about this is when, and, and by the way, this is why the devil doesn't want uh, anybody that's a Christian living outside of shame. He wants everyone to live in shame. When you break through, God starts to bless you in three dimensions, relationally, spiritually, and financially. And I'm not talking about just the individual. I'm talking about that individual's family or future family his church, his community, I would even say our country will be blessed at that point when men start to do this on a, on a greater scale. And yes, it's a little awkward, but you know what's worse? Is not talking about this, acting as if it doesn't exist when 75% or more men are struggling in this area, 35% or so are women. Are you kidding me? Everyone in the pew is asking for the pastor to talk about this, to do something about this. 
that's proactive and a blessing to them without shaming them further, of course. And churches are starting to do this, Craig. And it is so exciting to me because churches, small and large, are taking proactive stances to say, you know what? We need to help people break free from this. And as they break free, they start to experience what you touched on just a moment ago, relational intimacy. Most men, most women who are involved in wrong things actually are craving relational intimacy and rarely ever experience it. That's the first thing that happens when they start applying God's ways of doing uh, the, the process of uh, submitting themselves to healing and restoration and all the transformation that comes along with it. They start to experience relational intimacy. Secondly, spiritually, they start to hear the Holy Spirit for perhaps the first time in their life because porn actually blocks somebody from hearing the still, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit to the degree that God wants that individual to hear, confirm, and then respond to the Holy Spirit. This is why most men never never live a miraculous life. And I, I tell you, when we see men start to hear, confirm, and act on the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit, miracles start to happen in their life, and they cannot explain it in any other way other than God the Father is partnering with them through Jesus and the Holy Spirit to bless their life and the people around them for the better. And then the, the third way is financially, most uh, people going through the Avenue program will escalate uh, and increase their financial status. And it's, and it's because God wants them to experience an abundance so that they can do what God's called them to do. That's why the devil doesn't want uh, men and women to break free from this. Relational, spiritual, and financial health and, and, and abundance is absolutely powerful in the kingdom of God, and that's what we're missing out on. And I well, and I'm also I, reminded, Clay, of, of something that you had mentioned when we had a discussion several weeks ago um, as more information was made public by Ravi Zacharias's ministry, that yeah. it's not simply, and this is a case that, that it's demonstrative of this notion, that it's not simply the knowledge of Scripture that, that sets one free. <laughs> It's living it out. It's the application. I don't think that anyone listening on our conversation today would argue that Ravi Zacharias was extremely knowledgeable about Scripture. But there is a distance between, and we say the 18 inches between the head and the heart, right? There is a difference between knowledge of Scripture and application or living it out. And so if we struggle to try to understand, gee, why did this young man, even after he had spent time in therapy programs, not managed to wrestle this demon to the ground, I think the answer lies in he might have been exposed to the truth, but if he never was taught how to apply it and live it out, that disconnect is in right. many respects undoubtedly at the core of what led to this horrific loss of life and destruction. We'll take a time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation. Clay Allen is with us today, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry. More information for you on the web, and you simply go to avenue.works to get more details. That's avenue.works, or you can call privately and uh, confidentially, 877-326-7000. That's 877-326-7000. If this is an issue in your own life that you've struggled with, that you continue to struggle with, that it's impacted not only your thought life, your relationships, both horizontally and vertically, 
and you have come to the end of your rope and you recognize you need help, we want to encourage you to reach out. Good place to start is avenue.works or again toll free confidentially at 877-326-7000. Time out back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. The case of Robert Aaron Long is obviously an extreme one. Seldom do people act out out of this level of frustration because of a sexual addiction that they've been unable to control to the point of taking other lives by somehow in a misguided sense thinking that that's going to cut off the temptation. Uh, Now again, we're not in Robert Long's head. We can only go by what has been shared by uh, roommates from the rehab programs that he was involved with and by his own admissions to Atlanta police. But the story does shed some significant light on just how far one can spiral out of control when there is addictive behavior related to pornography or sexual addiction that goes unaddressed, unconfessed, and untreated. And toward that end, Clay, take a moment as our time wraps up tonight and just tell us a bit about what is available to individuals through Avenue who are struggling. Maybe they've not had thoughts of taking other lives, but maybe they've entertained thoughts of taking their own, or they have reached the point where they feel as if their life is hollow and empty, and the the consumption of thoughts has been destructive to their relationships, both vertically and horizontally. To a person that's in that place as we speak, what do you say? Yeah, well, first and foremost, we uh, hear you. We've lived right where you are. We've walked in your shoes. And we provide you a confidential way that nobody's going to know you're getting help to equip you and your church, if they're interested, with God's weapons. These are not our weapons, but God's weapons, his power and his authority to overcome Satan's plan to keep you shamed, keep you silent about your sexual brokenness so that you can experience what Jesus promised in John 10, which is the abundant life, relational intimacy, spiritual intimacy, and financial freedom and uh, and abundance. And my heart for you, uh, whether you're a man or a woman or a pastor who's struggling, is to reach out and get help while you can and watch what God can do as you surrender to him, because that's just exactly what I did and my wife and thousands of other people we've helped. So you're no different. If you'd like to get more information, as you are perhaps concerned about um, your own life struggles or maybe those of a spouse or son or a daughter, then we urge you to reach out. Again, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Avenue is um, completely confidential, and you can go online or you can fall, call toll-free. The toll-free number is 877-326-7000. That's 877-326-7000 or online at avenue.works. That's avenue.works. Looking at a way out of pornography addiction, sexual addiction, um, being able to confront the consequences of these addictions in your own life, most importantly, not to just understand them, but to finally be able to get victory over them, to break free once and for all 
is possible. You say, well, Craig, why didn't that happen in the case of, of, of Robert Allen Long, who, who, who admittedly had gone through programs and was hoping and, 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 and cut off uh, even channels that he would have access to pornography, and yet none of it seemed to matter, and he acted out in such a violent fashion? Well, we touched on the answer to that question a bit earlier, that there was a major gulf between knowing Scripture and living Scripture. And in this case, apparently, this young man failed to apply what he had learned. Let that not be your fate. Reach out, find hope, find help, and find healing. You can call again toll-free, 877-326-7000, or go online to avenue.works. Our thanks to Clay Allen, founder and president of Avenue, for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. All right, we're a bit late here. Let's get you caught up on some traffic.